Welcome to episode 67, Sandman, volume 2, The Doll's House. I'll undertake to... この番組は、ポッドキャストの今週のエピソードへようこそ。サンタン。ダン。<笑>あ、ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホーマイガッド。ホー
it's the one that I show everyone to get him into this podcast because everyone dies fucking laughing about the story of Q picking up a prostitute by accident. <laughs> it's like the greatest thing I've ever been able to tell. Like, the greatest story I've been like, hey, so my buddy did this. Let me show it for you. And like, I'm they just think, you know. here to entertain you. <laughs> He's here to entertain you. We have in the great state of Maryland, Q. Hi, everybody. So I'm in a super great mood right now. But hi. Uh, so tonight is actually our last dress rehearsal for Sister Act. We open on Friday. Dun, um, dun, dun! <laughs> so, just, just to let you all know, everything is done. Nice! Is, I cried so much at uh, press night the other night because it is so awesome. I wish that I could share the rehearsal videos because we take video for rehearsal purposes. Uh, we don't share them or save them or you know anything like that, but just that way we can use them to see you know kind of what went wrong, you know what looks good, kind of stuff in our private Facebook group. And I wish that I could share them with you because oh my gosh, you guys, it is so awesome. There are so many fun surprises and things, especially in costuming that happen, and I'm so excited, excited for an actual audience tonight. Tonight is our invited dress rehearsal um, for people to actually see it, so yay! I have a bunch of other stuff going on, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure when it starts getting closer, I'll talk more about it right now. I just don't have the strength. Next. He has the strength <laughs> to talk about it. He has the strength of 40 men. He is Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam from Utah. Found my shit over at Big Chinese Robot and also on the Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hey, Hi, Andy. And yeah, I think uh, when this comes out, is this the week that we're all going to be together? We actually can record? Yes, I believe so. I think so, uh, yeah. Hold on, put on my calendar, I'm verifying. So, wh- whatever week it is, though, all i got to say is, um, the state of Utah is never going to be the same again, because Q oh, and yeah. I will be in the this same state. This comes out on Pioneer Day, kids. Oh, Ooh. really? Yeah, so, yes, that I will officially be in Salt Lake City on the day that this comes out. This may be I, the day that we're actually recording live episodes. But. <laughs> I, I don't think Salt Lake City knows what it has in store for it when it the two of us combine, but... Uh, it should be pretty badass, but yeah, I'll be back from my vacation uh, visiting friends and family in California and doing weird shit, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> doing weird shit. Doing weird shit. I like it. Uh, hey, and I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California. Uh, still have a bunch of shows running at uh, Lyric. We just finished the 50th celebration as you're listening to this now. Uh, still about two more weeks worth of shows, so uh, come on and check them all out. And if you actually are listening to this on the 24th, I am going to be in town doing uh, Big River tomorrow night and then back on, looks like Saturday, and then uh, I'll be back on August 3rd and 5th to finish off the season. Uh, so come out and say hi. Check out the show and come up to the sound booth and say, hey, I listen to you crazy kids kids talk on the radio and I'll be like oh my god that's so weird because we love you all but it's really kind of been very interesting I do this and I think most of us do this that we have a chance to hang out with our friends once a week that's the big thing that we do this all for so it's very strange when suddenly you like are in your real life and it somehow comes up that you do this podcast and someone who you were not expecting says oh yeah your show is awesome and you're like oh shit people listen to this like people know what an idiot that I am in real life that's super fucking weird so um Anyway, we love you all, uh, and uh, we love Todd. He is uh, unable to make it to uh, join us this week. Maybe we can get him next week. We'll see how that works out. Um, but we uh, we wish him the best. He will be back with us very, very shortly. And, yeah, so this week, as we said before, we are doing Sandman Volume 2, The Doll's House, which some very, very thorough Wikipedia research uh, revealed that 
this storyline was somehow originally released and then released again in a second different way and the the release dates for the Sun, Sandman comics originally is super bizarre and convoluted. If you want to read other bizarre and convoluted try to read the reports of them trying to make it into a movie and then a TV show and like it gets really messy. How could but, they possibly make, no you couldn't do that. This 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 book is Ugh, well, they're going to do partially animation was part of it. And then at one point in time, it was going to be Terry Gilliam, which that makes total and utter sense, oh, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that. That, would make, that would make a lot of sense. But, you know, it, it hasn't been made yet. I really honestly don't think it will be because I think it, having read it is very, very complicated. Adam, do you want to give us a quick preview as to what we're encountering this week? <coughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. You basically... So we, we met uh, the character Dream, Morpheus, in the first uh, trade paperback, and kind of the story of how he was captured, uh, and then was his rise back to power. This is a uh, oh god, it's I don't even know where Although to go. I have it's, the Wikipedia up. I can I can tell you what it is. Okay. Here. So uh, he's you know he's back in power now, and he's you know has this his little minion do a census to make sure that you know all his dreams and everything he's in charge of is there, and finds that four of them have gone missing, uh, and they're no longer part of his. You know, realm anymore, and so the book kind of chronicles his going out and trying to either one destroy them or bring them back into the fold to make them part of his kingdom again. And through that, we end up going to a uh, a serial killer convention. We've got yep. uh, a young a girl who his mom meets the grandma they didn't know existed in London, and she's trying to find her her brother who's been gone for seven years and. And wackiness ensues, and it's really hard to explain this book because there's so much weird shit going on, and it's gorgeous and beautiful, but like, ah, uh, just like it, it, my my mind is in a different place than it was three hours ago when I started reading this book because it just it warps you. <laughs> I also made the mistake this time of trying to read this book late at night and uh, trying to read a book about dreams when you're sleepy. Not wise. It it, it makes it very difficult. I mean, I did that last time, so yeah. I feel like you. I, I, you, I made the mistake this week that you made last time we did this. Yeah, yeah. last time we did Sandman, I was so tired of, like, we keep talking about sleep, all I want to do is yeah. sleep. <laughs> or there's the one who slept for, like, 50 years, and you're like, oh, that sounds really nice right about now. Um, okay, well, if we're going to jump in and, uh, and read this book, we're going to need a drinking game to go along with it. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver. For this week's drinking game, remember it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously, and above all else, please drink responsibly. I'm going to call mine the sing-along rule, which is every time there's a song reference in the book, which happens a lot, like they'll have little lyrics and little music symbol or whatever, whenever you see one of those, take a drink. Uh, Adam, what is your drinking game rule? I've got the skeezy rule. So every time you read something and it makes you go, ew, take a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's, there's, like I said, there's a fucking serial killer convention, and the way, especially that that whole book right there will get you fucked up with this rule, yeah. because when they say certain things, I'm like, ah, no, yeah. fuck you, that's gross, ew. Yeah. yeah. And Q, what's your drinking game rule? Mine is called uh, the vortex rule. Okay. Um, so anytime they make reference to the vortex, who the vortex is, vortex, 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 they try to explain what it is, but they don't. Take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a, a common drinking game amongst my friends is drink for trying to make sense. 
So, that's there's a bonus rule for you. Anytime something goes way over your head, just drink instead of trying to figure it out. It's, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm a fan of drinking until I can't feel things anymore. Yeah, yeah. Good, good coping mechanism, kids. Good skill for separate life. <laughs> no, it's we're, not. We're really don't. Good at that. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen to the child is drunk. <laughs> All of us at this point in time are childish drunks. Cool, then we have a drinking game. We're going to need to be able to take our votes as to whether or not we feel like you, the general public, should actually read this. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now, who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Adam, what is your vote? Oh, fuck yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you, what's your vote? Yeah. And mine is also a yes. I mean, we've given you kind of a little bit of a preview. Does anybody have anything that they feel like everyone should be prepared for before they uh, they actually go read this on their own? Um, I would say take a Xanax first because it's <laughs> quite anxiety-inducing. And, yeah. I, again, my head is different now than it was when I fucking started reading this book. It's like it, it affected me in a weird way. I say yes, read the book. I say instead of taking a Xanax, which could definitely impair you for reading this... Um, I would say try to take your time because the last time that the when when we read it, the the first book, um, I didn't I didn't quite finish it because I was like rushing to try to get it done because um, you know we were busy. But this time I like took my time and like really read it. And even though there were some things that were slightly confusing, you know, metaphysical stuff, like take take your time to try to figure out kind of what's going on because it, it, it's it's not worth rushing through because you really miss a, a lot of the nuance in it. I, I think that was probably something that I had missed when I first read it and I think part of the reason why I didn't get into the series the first time I tried to read it because like I've said before in previous episodes I only ever had the first two trades and I stopped reading and I think I was trying to rush it because like going back and reading it I think also my experience with comics is, is much more broad now and I kind of understand I think there's some subtle references to the comic book medium perhaps that I get more now than I think I did at the time and uh, you know an appreciation for the way the story is told because essentially I mean it's telling a, a semi-cohesive story in an incohesive way. You know, yeah. like, it jumps back and forth and gives you weird little side notes, but, like, you, if you're reading it as a whole, you understand what's going on, but it, it's in a kind of a confusing, strange way. Then I think that will lead us into our break. So this is your point in time where you can pause the podcast if you haven't read the book already, and we all recommend that you should read it. Uh, so give it a read. Um, you know, when you're done reading, press play again and we will be here on the other side to uh to chat amongst ourselves uh about it um and if you decide hey you know what i just want to hear q explain the whole book to me and then hear everybody else ramble about some of the funner sillier and drunkier portions of the book well then you can do that too you just don't press pause you just let it keep playing on through the little break and we will see you on the other side if you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now Press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. It's the time for the myth, the man, the legend, the Q show that we call <laughs> the lightning round. <laughs> lightning round begins. Okay, so this this book is called The Doll's House. 
So the book opens with a sort of history lesson. If we remember when Morpheus was going into the underworld, we met a character called Nada, um, who was uh, sent to torment in in hell forever. This explains why. And she she was a queen of a of an ancient uh, city and she fell in love with Morpheus, but she, realizing that he was one of the Endless, knew that it would never work out, so she refused him, and even though um, he should have been smarter and not a dickhole, he uh, was jealous uh, or mad at her for um, leaving him and uh, damned her forever. Yeah, so that's how that started. So then we are introduced to um, another one of... Uh, Dream's siblings, uh, Desire, who uh, has no gender, which is kind of cool. Um, and Desire is obviously rules over uh, Desire. Uh, also, Desire has a twin called Despair, who is um, the opposite. Uh, she is very unattractive and um, even cuts herself in this thing, which is very sad. We kind of, through that, learned that everybody has their own realms and that there are multiple siblings. In fact, there's still um, another one that they say, a prodigal who has not returned. Um, so there there are uh, other people like Death and Dream. So then we're introduced to Rose Walker and her mother. They have been sent to England. Come to find out a character that we met previously, Unity Kincaid, who uh, was put to sleep for, for many years and raped and had a child that she did not know about until she woke up, has requested that uh, Rose Walker and her mother join them. So while they're on their, or join her, so while they're on the drive to Unity Kincaid's place in England, Rose falls asleep and she sort of uh, falls into the dreaming and uh, Morpheus has uh, made Lucian, uh, one of his servants, sort of take a census of all of the beings that should be um, residing in the dreaming and come to find out that there are four missing. There's um, Brute and Glob, the Corinthian, and the Fiddler's Green are all missing from, from the dreaming. Rose then wakes up feeling as though she's watched their whole conversation. Uh, sort of a little weird thing. So they meet Unity. You find out that Rose's mother was the daughter that she had while asleep. The three weird sisters uh, meet with Rose, uh, telling her that she told she asked the wrong questions and that they wanted to help her, especially in finding her missing brother, Jed, who was taken by their father, who then died, and then he got passed to some other relatives. And trying to find her brother, Rose then goes back to America, and she moves into a house owned by this guy, Hal Carter, and there's uh, the neighbors downstairs, Ken and Barbie, which is very hilarious, uh, <laughs> to uh, stranger ladies who live across the hall named uh, Chantal and Zelda, who she doesn't know if they're sisters, if they're lovers, if they're mother-daughter. And then there's this quote weird guy Gilbert who lives upstairs. Uh, you find out that Hal is a drag queen named Dolly, which is amazing. Then uh, we meet Jed, who lives in the basement, but also pretty much lives in his own dream world, which seems to be inhabited by superheroes and you, at first you get a little glimpse that even it looks like maybe Brute and Glob are there. So these superheroes that he's with at first you don't quite understand who they are. Um, immediately they looked familiar to me and then I 
you know, remembered who they were. So Rose is trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, Rose is also being watched by Matthew, who is um, the raven that Morpheus uh, has to do his bidding. So in so Rose does the research, finds out that Jed has been moved to a different place. Rose then meets Gilbert, who is their mysterious upstairs neighbor. Jed is attacked by a rat. A rat. Um, Jed's picture is given to Morpheus, and he tries to find him in the dreaming and can't, which is a very weird thing, which totally sets off Morpheus's sort of radar of things that are that are bad. So he decides that he's going to go set off to find the kid. Then there's a super creepy scene where it sounds like someone's eating eyeballs, which is super fucking gross. Gilbert, who is the upstairs neighbor, decides that he is going to accompany Rose to go uh, find his brother. Morpheus then also decides to go. So then we're introduced officially to Sandman, known as Hector Hall, and his wife, Lita Hall, uh, who are golden silver age superheroes uh now apparently living in this dream world with brute and glob uh which you find out then is actually in jed's head and brute and glob have to uh, placed him there or placed them there yes yeah so, th- th- so so they all live in the mind of jed uh machinations of uh, brute and glob and uh lita is very disconnected from reality probably because she's a living person and not either a dream or dead like her husband is. Uh, it's not a spoiler if you read a comic book earlier than like, you know, 1970. Um, so, abusive uncle and aunt, whoever these asshole people are, they're not quite sure why they need to keep him locked up, but they know that they are supposed to keep him. Um, I'm assuming that's also some sort of brute and glob thing to make sure that the boy stays um, in one place. So, as, um, Morpheus tries to fight into Jed's mind. He's confronted by uh, all these different defenses, and this uh, Sandman, Lita, remembers her time as the Fury, and then Brute and Glob are like, uh, so Morpheus is coming. We should probably do something. And they're like, mm, maybe, maybe not. Rose and Gilbert check into this place for a serial convention, which I already knew that that's going to be a terrible idea. <laughs> the creepy guy who seems to eat assholes decides to attack some more people. So, Morpheus confronts all of the people inside Jed's mind and he um, makes them all leave. In all of the confusion of what's kind of going on, I guess the uncle and aunt died. I don't know if it's in that exact explosion or from for some other reason. Lita and uh, Hector Hall are ejected from Jed's mind as our brute and glob. So he does discorporate Hector and Lita is then left pregnant and wondering what what she's to do. Morpheus leaves her and says that he will want he will come back for her child because it was growing while in the dream world. Uh, so then, someone who we find out is the Corinthian, the scary nightmare man, uh, picks up Jed. So then there's this really strange story stuck here in the middle. I'm guessing to give us all a relief of serial killers and such, where we meet a um, a character named Ha who decides that he is rejecting death and never dying. So death leaves and Morpheus meets him every 100 years to just sort of see how he's doing and whether or not he actually wants to to die. So at the end, Morpheus gets mad at him and leaves. And then we are left with Morpheus coming back in the present day and uh, Hob still being there. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be more on that later, but not in this there book. There is... 
<laughs> but not in this book. Thanks to Wikipedia, I read ahead a little bit, because um, uh, William Shakespeare makes an appearance in that yeah. section of the book. Uh, he comes back later. Also, uh, as we're talking about it, uh, Barbie from Barbie and Ken uh, makes an appearance in another upcoming book as well, oh, if you keep reading fun. the series. So the serial convention that Rose and Gilbert have accidentally come upon is actually a serial killer convention taking place in, the, in, in this uh, whole thing. Gilbert... Uh, recognizes the Corinthian and is like, "All right, no, we 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 gotta we gotta get out of here." So he he warns Rose, gives her a name of someone to call should she uh, come into any trouble, and uh, leaves. The big fat guy, who I'm assuming likes Disney World, um, <laughs> uh, tries to then uh, rape and attack uh, Rose. She then calls Morpheus, who uh, saves her and the confronts the Corinthian, uh, discorporates him, and then they rescue Jed out of the back of the Corinthian car. Uh, that whole story about and trying to make me feel feelings for serial killers made me feel very uncomfortable. So, <laughs> Hence my drinking game rule. <laughs> yes. So um, Rose comes back. Jed is in the hospital. U uh, Unity Kincaid is also um, dying. So this this story is actually pretty cool. The um, you go into everybody's dreams who lives in who live in the house with uh, Rose, and she's sort of watching all of them and not quite sure why she's in there. You come to find out that she is this vortex and that Morpheus has to stop and kill her because she shatters the walls of the dreams. Something, something, something. So Morpheus confronts her. Unity Kincaid falls asleep and then confronts Morpheus, telling him that uh, she will die in his place as she is already dying. Um, you find out that Gilbert is the last remaining dream who escaped Fiddler's Green, which is a place, not a person. Yeah, everybody kind of goes on about their day. Rose then, sort of after six months, gets her shit together, decides that she needs to... Um, actually do something with her life. Jed is better living with uh, the mom. Morpheus then confronts Desire, who you find out is also Unity Kincaid's rapist, and then um, Rose's grandfather. Uh, and apparently you find out that the uh, there is something where the Endless are not allowed to kill each other, and so Desire was pretty much doing this whole thing to try to trap Morpheus into killing one of one of their own blood, which is a huge no-no. Um, and then that's the end. And see. Yeah. And it, it, it leaves you with this weird, like, foreboding, like, what? Like, because, like, why is Desire fucking with people? Just because it can. Yeah, like that's, exactly. That, that's kind of the the idea that you get. Well, it's um, sort of like the Greek god thing of the gods are just bored, so they're just fucking with shit. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, what else is Desire going to do? So I really liked this book. In fact, I think I liked this better than the first one. I think it did an amazing job in taking something that was uh, established in that first book and really building on all of the different facets that it had started. Um... I also thought that they integrated um, DC continuity um, better into into this world, even though at the time it still really wasn't like quote canon. But you know, in the first one, it was just kind of like this weird haphazard story with Mister Miracle and Martian Manhunter. Where this, they really take these these two characters who were kind of floating in limbo at the time and actually put them in a limbo space. Um, 
and uh, the like the the old Sandman and Fury. So the reason that I'm kind of focused on Fury is because she is the she was the Earth Two daughter of Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman. And then when oh really? Christ, yes. And then when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, they had to rewrite her story because obviously then Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman hadn't met yet. She just became a woman who was inspired by Wonder Woman. At another point, she uh, or her mother got inspired by Wonder Woman, which is why she named her Hippolyta. And then the other things, whatever. So her original name was Hippolyta Trevor. And then um, now she's Lita Hall. And also, sort of side story, I know a real-life woman named Lita Hall who is an amazing woman who um, recently passed away. And I, for some reason, I always was like, why does Lita Hall... Why, why does her name always sound so, like, familiar to me? And then this book, I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's the Fury. <laughs> anyway, um... I I also re- I liked the fact that so in the first book you really didn't have like a supporting cast like San- like Morpheus has like his little like minion guys who kind of appear here and there but I think these this chapter of of this story really actually brings in a supporting cast of of characters that seem like they're actually going to hang around and stay and that they will be a part of this story moving forward. Because obviously I don't think Rose's story is over. There's obviously more that's going to happen with her. I feel like Lita Hall now is a part of this with a son that Morpheus says that he's going to claim. We're now meeting more of the Endless, um, even even though we met Death briefly last time. There's the story that seems like it doesn't make sense to go in the middle of it with um, the whole Hob story, but obviously Hob has a part to play um, moving forward. Another kind of weird thing is that this book is called Sandman, and Morpheus is the, quote, star of the book, but he's really not in it that much. So obviously, like, Rose is supposed to be, like, our new protagonist, which I think Mm -hmm. is a little smarter, um, having sort of two stories moving forward. Um... Because obviously there's the whole whatever is going on with Morpheus, and now we're going to have whatever is going on with, with Rose. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I liked the story building. I liked the fact that it's still all connected back with Rose's best friend being one of the girls that Dr. Destiny killed in the um, shop or, or that, that uh, diner in the last book. I don't know. It, it was just... It was just really cool. I'm sure I'll think of more things to say as you guys talk. Well, one of the things I really enjoyed was also the fact that, like, a lot of these different issues all kind of seemed like their own story on their own. They all had, like, each issue could be read by its own, with the exception of being the last issue, part seven of the Doll's House sequence. The rest of them kind of could be read on its own as its own individual story, and they were almost, some of them had sort of a... I got, I'm thinking specifically like the serial killer one, um, and the uh, the is a Hob who is avoiding death. Mm-hmm. They kind of had almost like a Twilight Zone episode kind of vibe to it, which I I dig that old show. I know that there are some really shitty episodes too, but I, in general, I really like that show. Um, so like that that aspect of it as well, like it was very well crafted in the sense of individual issues were engaging and had their own storyline, but then the overall whole of the the Doll's House series had its own storyline as well, which. I, you know, is I think is better crafted than a lot of stuff you end up seeing. Um, you know, a lot of times there are weird loose ends that, I mean, these loose ends obviously are going to continue on into other stories, but sometimes you have, like, these weird things that they never, they, they build up at the beginning of, like, this series of books, and then they never kind of fulfill, and I think most of that stuff is kind of sense of, like, we're either moving on with a story in the next one, or it's done with, you know, there's not a lot of in-between on that, so. Adam, do you have any initial thoughts on this? 
Well, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about uh, in the last couple episodes, you know, this being our, our round two of books that we've, we've loved, how e- even though they've still been really good, they've all kind of, we call it the sophomore slump. You know, they've, mm-hmm. the second one, you know, the first one just comes out of the gate and gets you all excited for it, and then they kind of have to pause and step back and do too much world building and kind of expanding on the mythos they've created. And while this this book definitely does that, it, it builds on you know, like you said, we meet more Eternals, we find out you know what's been going on. Events from the first book are there's still consequences and things are still happening in this one. But I'm right with Q. Like as much as I love the first one, this one almost seems better because Neil Gaiman's a great writer. He's maybe just like he's one of my favorite authors in the world. Um, but this takes that world, it builds upon it, but tells a new story, tells something really unique and exciting and fun and scary and things that will mind fuck you. And it's the first one we've read that we've gone back to is I can say, yes, this one easily is better than the first one. And it's just because it's, I mean, it's, it, everything about it is just fucking brilliant. So I'm gushing, but I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, so I have a cocktail for this week. Mr. Booze. Mr. Booze. Mr. Booze. Mr. B double O Z. That's your spells, boo. I have chosen to name mine after one of the main plot points of this and main characters of this. My cocktail is the Vortex cocktail. It is one and a half ounces of strawberry vodka, a half ounce of coconut flavored rum, a full ounce of cranberry juice. Uh, cocktail, it says, so, you know, not actual cranberry juice, I guess, and one splash of lemon-lined soda. Uh, you fill an old-fashioned glass with ice, pour in the strawberry vodka, the coconut rum, the cranberry juice, over ice, top with lemon-lined soda, and squeeze lime in and stir and serve. Q, do you have a cocktail? Yes, I do. Mine is called the Rosé Walker. Ooh. I like yeah, that. It's gonna be disgusting, though. So you, <laughs> so you get a shot of Johnny Walker pour it into a champagne flute, and then fill with rosé, sparkling wine, and then feel like you're a fucking dream vortex and chug it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's called the Corinthian, because it's a total nightmare, uh, and it will fuck you up. You uh, take one ounce of Everclear, one ounce of coconut rum, one ounce of Jägermeister, and one ounce of Amaretto. Oh, Jesus you... Christ! <laughs> Jäger and Everclear? Good yeah. night! Uh, you add four ounces of orange juice, four ounces of pineapple juice, you shake the shit out of it, and then you pour it over ice in a highball glass. And that will make you lose your eyes. Oh my god. Yeah, I can I imagine. Someone else's because you're hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's a nightmare. That that most definitely is a nightmare. That will fuck you up. I, I'm getting a hangover just thinking about that. We, we apparently don't like to mess around here. With, uh, uh, we, with you're not fucking around, as the French say. No, that is true. We've, we've done our gushing. Does anybody else have anything <laughs> they really want to discuss on this? Uh, also, some something that that I that I liked is um, the art seems much more consistent. Like in the first collection, there were lots of different um, lots of different. Um, artists, and even though there are some different artists in here, I just I just feel like it's more consistent. I didn't feel jarred by having anyone a, you know, a, a different a different penciler. Uh, also, Chris Bachelo of Bachelo Bachelo, um, who's uh, really really big nowadays, especially amongst um, the X Men universe, um, was a guest artist for the sort of Lita Hall. 
uh, story with, with Jed, um, I'm wondering if this is one of his first, because this, this looks nothing like his art nowadays. Kind of crazy. But I, I again, I just feel like the art was a little more consistent and not as crazy. I also especially liked when they were inside Jed's mind that it definitely looked more little kid and cartoony. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked that. And also the, um, and the serial killer ones, it, again, looked much creepier and darker and death. Even in, um, when Rose is going into everybody's different dreams, like, I also appreciated that it still felt cohesive, even though the dreams were all very different. That's all for now. Adam, do you have anything else to, uh, to add to this? I, I mean, Q's pretty much said everything I feel about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm always one who's more focused on the, the writing and the story than the art, but this one, the art's just fantastic. It's great to see you, these weird, crazy dream visages come to life and... Yeah, it's creepy. The serial killer thing, like, I didn't feel like they were trying to make you feel sympathetic for him. I was just like, no, this is just fucked up. Fuck those assholes. Like, the way they were talking about, like, you know, people like, oh, like, you know, referring to people as cattle or this and that. It just, it it felt almost too realistic how you would think maybe those people would think in real life, and which I don't know because I'm, I'm not a, a psychopath, but... That's what you'd like to think, wouldn't you? Yeah, right? <laughs> um... <laughs> No, it's 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 fantastic. I we, we love the first one. I love the first one. Uh, I recommended it because we were doing the books that we should have read but hadn't. And jumping back in again just made me realize like this is something that I should have experienced a long time ago. I'm really really glad I'm getting to now. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like I wish I would have done this ten years ago when it came out and I could have actually been involved in the process because this is something that's just absolutely fantastic and amazing and. Yes, everyone should go out there and buy this book and read all of them. Just like uh, Q said, take your time and go slow. Because actually, even though I read it today, I was able to take my time and go through it because I wasn't rushing. And there's a lot to digest. And I'm sure if I were to go back and read it again, I'd probably get about ten times more stuff out of it because there is so much content there. That seems leads to a good point for final grades. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking bummed. God, please, no! 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 I'm going to go with a final grade. I'm going to go with a, a good solid A-. minus. I guess it's not solid, but I, I'm going to go with an A-. minus. I Everything we've talked about here, I think it is uh, some of the highest caliber comics that sh we've ever had on the show. Um, I think there are some confusing moments, which can be a little bit of a turnoff to newer comic book readers, which I think was an issue for me. I think it's something that you need to take your time to work with, so that... For me, I'm just pulling a few points just to, as a slight hesitant warning to those people who might be jumping into this. Uh, but I still think it's a, a fantastic and great book to, uh, to read. I'm happy I got a chance to relook at it and rediscover the series and change my opinion of, uh, of it from what I originally read. Q, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to give it an A-, and I think the reason that I want to say A- is just because even though I enjoyed it a lot... Um, I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed this one. I'm still not rushing out to buy the rest. So it's not like I was super inspired like I was in Saga or Wicked and Divine where I just immediately 
needed to go and read more. I feel like I'm like, okay, yeah, like, you know, when we do round three, I'm down. Same thing with lock and key. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm down to read them, but I'm not gonna, you know, go just do that on my own. But it, it, it definitely, I think it's the, the best one that we've read so far that world builds, moves the plot along, and sort of integrates all the things that we liked about the first book in the, into the second one. One of the things I, f I feel like I'm feeling about this, Q, and I'm wondering if you're, you kind of stated something so much what I'm wondering if we're in agreement on it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a book that is obviously very good, and you read it, and it's very amazing, but it's mm -hmm. so heavy that it almost feels like homework, so you're a yes. little hesitant to run out and jump and grab in the next yep. one is what I'm feeling like. That. Yep, I will, I will wait until, you know, a year from now when, when we're going to do round I'm totally fine with that. Something light and fluffy, except next we're doing, what, Bitch Planet? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but Bitch Planet's way shorter than this one yeah. was. Adam, what's your grade? Uh, I'm right there with you both uh, at an A-. minus. I mean, this, this is one of the best things that I've ever read, and I love it to death, but... Like you said, it's deep, it's dense, and yeah, it does kind of feel like you're doing your homework. It's enjoyable homework, uh, but the amount of focus and you know just introspection it takes to get through this uh, just drops it down a bit. You know, this is this is not a book for new comic book readers. This is something that like you know when, this is like up with Watchmen as far as what you know you you need to expect going in and it's going to be deep dark and heavy and yeah i i really do want to read the rest of them I, and like i said i i'm i'm sorry that i'm getting into them now when i could have been reading them a long time ago but i think the experience would have been a lot different if i had been buying the comics individually and had a month in between each one because trying to sit down and, and go through 200 pages of something as as heavy as this book is uh, in one sitting is is just too much. So maybe maybe if I was, you know, reading them over a span of time, or I could take breaks, that'd be different. Which isn't to say it's not good. It's fucking amazing, but it's a very very deep book. So don't don't go in and expect to come out feeling happy and joyful because uh, it's really fucking depressing. But no, it's it's fantastic. I love it, and I will definitely read the next one. I probably won't read it for a while because I'm still recovering. But. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's really really good. But if you're new to this podcast and or you're new to comics, this isn't the one to start with. Go back, hear some of the stuff we read before, like Lock and Key Saga, that kind of stuff. And once you're kind of you got your feet wet and you know what to do, then you can jump into the deep end. Recommendations, Q. Do you have any recommendations for this week? Yeah, my recommendation is to to go back in the histories of of these characters, like Hector and Lita Hall, to you know. Find out that, you know, who they are and why they're there and why they're, you know, wh why it would be important enough that they would be brought in into this book. Or even um, characters that we saw before, like the, the original Sandman, like why is it that, you know, these characters were something that, that needed to happen again. Also, if I'm not, if, I, if I'm not wrong, I also think that um, the landlord, what's his name, Hal? Is it yeah. Hal? Mm -hmm. I think he is someone too. What's his name? Hal Carter? I think he might be a, a, not an original character. He might be... Um, uh, well, I'm, the, the problem is that they all have such similar sounding names. Yeah. But that's my recommendation. Like, I, I feel like there's not um, any reason not to just delve further deeper into the world of of these books and find out how it is that they interconnect with, with other things. 
So I have a buddy of mine who um, he hosts a uh, nostalgia night every Wednesday at the Anaheim House of Blues called Way Back Wednesdays, which is also always very fun. But I will say this. He has given me four free tickets to a concert at the Anaheim House of Blues on uh, August 4th. Unfortunately, I will not be able to attend because I will be out of town. It's a back to the 80s party featuring a band called the Molly Ringwalds, which I'm bummed that I'm going to miss because that is a fucking awesome band name. But... If you are in California or will be in California on August 4th and would like to use my tickets, uh, email us at funnybooksandfirewater at gmail.com. Um, say, hey, I want those tickets, and uh, and we'll work out a way to get to give them to you first come, first serve. So when you hear this, uh, email me, and uh, we'll figure out a way to get those tickets to you. Uh, Adam, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, so these are words I never thought I would ever say. <laughs> okay. Percy Jackson the musical is really fucking good. <laughs> okay. They, uh, so Percy Jackson, they, it's, a, it's a book series by Rick Reardon about uh, demigods. Basically, their their one of their parents was a god and fucked a, a human, and that's how they became. And they go fight monsters and all this bullshit. They made two really shitty movies off them, which sucks because the books are really good. But uh, I was on Facebook or something like a like six months ago and saw that this this was a thing. I'm like, no, there's no fucking way. So I listened to one of the songs. And the kid who, the guy who plays Percy Jackson was Marius in Les Mis last time it was on Broadway. And okay. so he's actually really good. And the song was actually kind of fun. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I looked into it more and uh, they did this thing where you could, uh, if you help kind of fund the musical, you, they would send you a shirt and the, CD, the soundtrack. The soundtrack's not out yet. It's coming out soon, but I just got it yesterday. Um, I can't stop fucking listening to it. It's really, really good. It's a full-on like sung through musical. It's funny. It's sad. Uh it made me cry, which I hate when musicals fucking do that, but it's surprisingly good. So, it, it, unfortunately, it did already close. It was off-Broadway. Uh, it got nominated for a bunch of Drama Desk Awards, so it was one of the most highly regarded off-Broadway musicals last year, and it's about fucking demigods, and yeah, it, it's weird, but it's really, really fun. It's cool, so if you get a chance, uh, if you go to YouTube, you can just Google uh, Percy Jackson the Musical, and the one single is called Good Kid. And it's, you can watch that. And I'm sure the soundtrack will be out shortly. I just don't know when. I just I got it early because I backed it. So, But it's really, really fucking good. <laughs> well, then, if nobody else has anything else, that should do it for this week. Next week, we are going to be reading Volume 2 of Bitch Planet, which just came out semi-recently, which is why I put it at the end of the month. So I don't think any of us have pre-read this yet. But Bitch Planet was a, a book that we loved from way back in the day by Kelly Sudeconic. I'm forgetting the artist's name right now. But Kelly Sudeconic uh, has written some bitch and stuff as well. And uh, I'm excited to see what uh, what chapter two unfolds. If I remember correctly, the title of this is called President Bitch. How can you not like that? Uh, it's very close to my favorite <laughs> album title of all time, which is Hitler Bad, Vandal's Good. You know, something sweet and straightforward and to the point about that album title. Uh, I like the title President Bitch. I just think it sounds awesome. I guess that does it for this week, unless anybody else has anything. Nope, I'm good. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Um, And uh, we will see you on the flip side. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to funnybooksandfirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.